What I'm going to be talking about is how, uh, how God uh, is constantly in mode of shifting our attention and our direction to get us uh, to where he's wanting to take us. If that makes sense. And, and, and while I was worshiping before I got up here to speak, I, I, I was thinking about um, how sometimes I'll see how far I can drive in my car with no hands. Stay with me here. <laughs> Stay with. Have, have you ever done that? You're, you're driving now. I know it sounds like we're being crazy, but, but have you ever said, I wonder how, how long my car can go straight? without my help. Have you ever done that? And you're on the highway and you're just going and, and you, you know, it's, it's going and you want to see how, how long it can go straight without you. And you just got to kind of tap your wheel every once in a while to, to reorient it. You know, you got to kind of tap it. And, and I feel like God does that with us. He, he points us in the right direction and he just kind of, kind of, Taps us. Does that make sense? Now, if you're anything like me, every once in a while he's got to go, you know, but, but for the most part, life is just kind of a series of, of just kind of, uh, of changing our direction, refocusing us. And, and it's so amazing to me on, on how he does this. You know, how he does these little moments where all of a sudden we got to go back and just, oh my goodness, God help me. And these moments that cause us to go, oh God help me, is, is God just kind of going like this. And, and whenever we start forgetting to prioritize him, he'll allow something to happen in our life where all of a sudden we'll have to like, you know, get some direction. And, and you know, that's how God does things is he allows these little moments in every single season, if you're taking notes tonight, every single season that you're in is preparing you for the next season. Every single season. And so I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about how he, he's just constantly uh, uh, reorientating us as we live. And so we're just going to read a couple verses. Mark chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 19. And this is when Jesus recruited uh, some disciples. It says that a little further up, verse 19, the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. They were fishermen. He called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired men. Now, uh, let's make sure we, we see the full picture here. Um, uh, James and John are brothers. Their dad uh, is Zebedee. And, and I, I read this passage in a few different versions. And it's interesting because in the King James Version, uh, it says that ships showed up. So it's not that they just had one boat, they had several boats. Uh, and they had servants. So they had a major operation going on here. And so evidently while they were fishing, one of the nets broke. And so Jesus is walking down uh, the beach and and he calls out to them. Now 
they're right in the middle of work. So I don't know what you do for a living. Maybe you're a contractor. Maybe you work outside. Maybe you work inside. But just imagine uh, the Lord just walking into your office and saying, Jack, come with me. Mary, come with me. That's exactly what happened. He walked right up onto him. And so uh, this is the process by which the Lord is taking two young men, James and John, and he's going to reorientate them. And he did it with four steps. And they all start with R, and hopefully we can uh, remember them. Um, But number one is that there was a recognizing process. Um, he, he, he called out to them and they, he, they, the boys, they recognized that this invitation is unlike other invitations. Uh, they recognized that. And, and as I was sitting there working on this message, I started thinking about how God calls out to us today. Because it's not like we're in their situation. It's not like we're at the beach in the beautiful sand at Galveston. <laughs> that laugh was a little bit too loud. But, you know, in the dark mud of Galveston. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up and goes, Hey, Isaiah. I mean, that's just not what's happening. And so when we have got to be able to recognize... I'm going to talk more about this on, on Sunday... Um, but we've got to be able to recognize that they knew that this just wasn't su- just some random voice. And if you're taking notes, the, the recognizing process of going, I think that's the Lord. It happens several different ways. Number one is when an intersecting thought comes along. Um, I, I, I've never been tested for ADD, but I, I'm pretty sure I have it. Um, by the way people describe it, I'm pretty sure I have it. But I've said this before, don't pray for me because I like it. I like it. I, I, I like it just the way I am. I just, uh, just, if, I, I'm never bored. <laughs> ever, ever bored. Uh, see what I'm saying? Like right now, I'm like flowing in the, in the ADD is a deeper dimension, just so you guys know. But um, See, now I don't even know what I was talking about. I told you, I'm pretty sure I got it. But uh, this, it's, it's when, uh, if you have ADD, maybe this, this first example of recognizing the voice of God will resonate more with you than, than maybe others. It's when an intersecting thought comes. Does that make sense? You're, you're driving in your car, you're sitting at your office, and all of a sudden this thought just, just comes across your mind. Just like... You weren't even thinking about this person, and all of a sudden it's just boom. This is just an example. This isn't always how God speaks, but I want us to be able to, like James and John, I want us to be able to go, wait a minute, this isn't just... uh, If God ever crosses your mind, just rest assured, that didn't come from you, and it definitely didn't come from hell. Hell doesn't want you ever thinking about God. So if all of a sudden you think about church or you think about God or in any way, it's just, that's the Lord just going, hey. Now, he does that with me a lot. It's just right out of nowhere, and I got a feeling he does it with a lot of you. Right out of nowhere, you just start thinking about him. 
it's just the most random things. It's just all of a sudden you just start thinking about God or you start thinking about a church or you start thinking. It's just right out of nowhere. Do you know what I'm talking about, Regina? It's just like right out of nowhere. And, and that's God's way of just going, hey. And, and I see him saying it with a smile on his face, you know, because he loves us so much. It's just, hey, I'm thinking about you and I want you to think about me right now. Does that make sense? And, and sometimes um, it's, it's with uh, compassion. I preached about this two Sundays ago. Uh, all of a sudden you feel this, this tugging of your heart of, of compassion towards somebody. That's the Lord. That, that's equivalent to Jesus walking on the beach and he's saying, hey, James and John. Or he's just looking around and saying, hey, Jamie. That, that's how he talks now. It just kind of moves into your mind. So we got to be able to recognize it. And then number two, this is, this is uh, equally as important, is, is how do you respond to it? How do you respond to it? Because th- these boys, they instantly jumped up and they moved. Now, I made a deal with God, uh, and, and I've, I've dropped the ball on this, but I, I need to pick the ball back up. I told the Lord about a year ago, if you ever cross my mind, I'm going to pray right then and there. Now, it may only be like three words. It might be three minutes. It just depends on when you cross my mind. Like if you cross my mind in the middle of a meeting, it's going to be really short. If you cross my mind while I'm eating, it's going to be incredibly short. But every time I'm going to make a deal with you, God, every time you cross my mind, I'm going to pray. And so uh, I started noticing that the more I responded, the more he had crossed my mind. And the more I prayed, the more he had crossed my mind. And, and then the less I prayed, the less he started crossing my mind because I wasn't really holding up my end of the deal. So, God, I know you hear me preaching right now. And so I just want to reestablish that. I will get better at that if you just cross my mind. Are you with me? What is your response? What is our response? These boys instantly, boom, they begin to follow right away. And I just want to say, you, you can't be a fisher and a follower. It's either like one or the other. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you, you're either a responder or you're not. Sometimes the Lord will just kind of speak to you and, and kind of pull your heart on something. Um, like this morning, uh, give you an example. Uh, my wife ripped me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just she ripped me a new rear end, is what she did. She, uh, um, I, I've been getting up all summer long at about five thirty, five forty-five to go run. Well, today's the first day of school, and uh, so I thought, well, I better get up earlier because I got to get back. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. So I set my alarm for 5.15, and I go out, and, and I'm running. And as, and as I was going to bed last night, Allie told me, you got to be back at 7.45 to take the kids to school. I said, don't worry about it. Which, by the way, I know it's hot in here. Isaiah, you did great by telling everybody if you came in late, one of our units is down, but it'll be fixed by Sunday. Um, uh, so thanks for just kind of bearing with me. Just think, you get to lose weight while you get, you're at church. Like, who gets to do that? You know what I mean? Um, but uh, so long story short, uh, I went for a run, and um, uh, I was driving home, 
and I realized I'm going to be late. And so uh, Allie shoots me a text message about the length of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, if you're younger than 27, you have no idea what I just said. <laughs> raise your hand if you have no idea what the Encyclopedia Britannica is. Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. You have no idea. Yeah. If you're younger than 20, you have no idea. Uh, but anyway, this long email. And I, this is not fair. You told me you're, you're out running. The kids have school. They're going to be late on their very first day. I've been in Canada. I haven't had a chance to meet the teachers. I wanted to be able to meet the teachers, but you're out running. Da, 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 da. And then another text comes in. And another text comes in. And then another text comes in. And so I come up to a red light. And it's like bumper to bumper to bumper to bumper. So don't get mad at me for texting while I was driving, because I wasn't driving. I was sitting nowhere in traffic. Nobody was moving, so I could have put it in park. So I wasn't texting while I was driving. I was in a traffic jam. So I'm reading it, reading it, reading it. And so I decide I'm going to type back, okay, I got the point. <laughs> so I type, okay, I got the point. And just as my thumb was hovering over send... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, this intersecting thought, right? <laughs> Thank you. This intersecting thought says, don't do it. <laughs> and so the response time was, I, I kind of debated back and forth as another text was coming in. And it dawned on me that, hey, she's ticked off. She has a right to be ticked off. And furthermore, she has a right to rip me. So Frankie, put on your big boy pants and get ripped. So I backspace, 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 delete. And I just let her continue to rip me. And so at that moment, and I'm really happy for this because most of the moments that I share are moments where I failed the test. Um, but in this moment, I passed it. So I get home, and she looks at me. She gives me the baby, and I'm holding the baby. And she goes, I'll be back. <laughs> I thought, great. She goes to the school. She meets the teachers. She comes back, and I'm like, I'm going to get ripped again. She comes back. Now she's in a great mood. She met the teachers. The kids weren't late. She's happy. She's talking about the teacher, dot, 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 dot. I give her the baby, and I'm like... I get in the car, I come to work, and I think, hey, that turned out pretty good. Now, had I sent what I was about to send, I would be asking if I could come over tonight and sleep on the couch. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Some of you ladies are like, no, and the guy's like, yep, you would, you would, you would. Uh, it, the response time when we hear that voice now, if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to, to, to write this down. You may not always know what all to do. Underline all. You may not always know what all to do. But you'll always know what to do next. Like, 
there's seasons that you will find yourself in and you don't know what to do, but you'll always know what to do next. The, the, the frustrating thing about God is that he's a, a light before our path. I really wish it was a light along our road, our, a light on our map, uh, a light, like give me, let me see more than just the next step. And usually the next step is just the next step of obedience. Can you respond to that next step of obedience? Like, if I'm in an argument with Allie, I don't, may not always know how to fix the whole thing, but I know what I need to say next. Better yet, I know I need to be quiet next. <laughs> Does that make sense? We, we always know the next step, but what is your response time? And in our response time, that, if, it's almost kind of like, uh, have you ever driven a car that uh, um, you, you got to turn the wheel five times to get it to turn? Have you ever driven one of those? Uh, it's rough. My first car, in order to drive straight, the horn had to be go up and down. I had an eight track and I had a jam box duct taped into my car with the antenna up so I could have music. It was in bad shape. So I turned the wheel five times and then it just turned. So, and then it turned. It's a very frustrating experience. Let's not have that type of relationship with God where it's just we hear in hindsight after we've already gone down the road, we look back, man, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have did that. It's the response time. Number two, uh, I'd like to say this. The reorientating process. God always calls us out of comfort. Out of comfort. It's, it's like here the boys are in the family business. You're not allowed to be comfortable and follow Christ the way he wants you to follow him all at the same time. Because he's constantly pulling you. Like, how many of you have a prayer request like right now? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Like right now, you got to, I got a prayer request right now. Like if an, if an angel were to show up right now, and you could see him after we wake you up, after you fainted, bonk, bonk, and we wake you up. And he says, I will grant you any wish. I'll bring it to the Lord and allow him to say, he's going to say yes to whatever you ask for. How many of you could think of something like right now? So we're all in a state of needing God to do something for us, all of us. We're all in a state of needing God to pull through. The common denominator in this room is that we all need God to do something for us. And we're always going to be there. We're always going to be in there. We're never going to be in that moment of, I don't need anything. I am the Archangel Michael. The Lord has sent me to ask you, what do you need? I'm good. 
Ask somebody else. I got enough money. My wife is crazy about me. (laughs) My kids are making straight A's. I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm good. Go ask somebody else. That's not ever going to happen. Because the Lord is constantly saying, James, John, come follow me. Get out of your boat. Get out of your comfort zone. I'm pulling you. I'm dragging you. If you're ever comfortable, you're not moving. He's moving you. He's comfortable. And some of us have some really big needs right now. Like, Frankie, this isn't a game. This is not a game. I got some big needs. I was laying down in my bed the other night and I just started crying in my bed because I started thinking, man, the needs that are in the room during church are way bigger than I realize they are. Now, some of you, your needs are just, hey, if they never get better, you're going to be okay. But there's others in the room. These are huge needs, and they've got to, you need Jesus' help. It's like a big deal. This is a big deal. And I just want to say that we're all at different paces of need. But he is constantly pulling you and keeping you out of the boat. Get out. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. It's all about getting out of that boat. It's all about being uncomfortable. It's all about, I'd like for you guys to write this down. Obedience, and I asked you to write it down earlier, but I I, I just want to, I got to it too quickly. Obedience is always the next step. You'll always be one step of obedience away from the next truth God wants you to learn about him. We don't always know what to do, but he's constantly pulling us out of that boat. That's a hard pill to swallow. You know, the the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Do you know what faith is? Faith means you're sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. So another way of saying that is, if you love the Lord, you are always going to be living, hoping for what you can't see. That's always going to be happening. It's always going to be happening. Number four. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this point. Receive. Receiving only happens when you get out of the boat. These boys never came back to the fishing business. There was something that they experienced with Jesus, that was so wonderful, so stressful, but amazing all at the same time, that they never went back. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of us in this room would love to hear the voice of God clear? Just kind of wave your hand at me. Just clear. Just, you'd love for that. The Bible says that, that there are certain spiritual gifts Gifts of of prophecy, 
gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts that he distributes to people so that he can bless people through you. Now, how wonderful would it be to be the person that's receiving those gifts and they operate in your life very easily? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to receive blessings at a a faster rate than what you already are? What's dawned on me is that... And, and, and I hope I say this in, in, in an easy to understand way. That the more we give, the more we receive. And so when those boys got out of their boat and they got out of their comfort zone, leaving their income, leaving their security, and now they don't know where the next dollar is going to come from. Some of us are there today. You don't know where the money is going to come from. And you're in this world and all you're doing is just seeking Jesus. It's when you have given all you have, do you actually start receiving more? Watch this. Uh, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, God told Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him that he's got my people as slaves and he needs to let them go. Well, Moses had a stuttering problem. He's like, I don't want to go talk to him because I've got a stuttering problem. And God said back to him, go talk to him. Get out of your boat. Go all in for me. And then I'm going to fill your mouth with my words. Now watch this. What if Moses said, Lord, more than anything in the world, I want you to fill my mouth with your words. But he never went to go talk to Pharaoh. Then there would be no reason to fill his mouth with his words. I'll tell you over the last few weeks, last four or five weeks, I've been coming up here saying, hey, it's our responsibility to bring people to church. Many of you brought somebody to church tonight. And over the last four weeks, we've had more people come to church by visitor, by being invited by somebody than our previous three months, which is amazing. But I thought to myself, as the senior pastor, if I'm asking people to do this, then I need to do it. And so I have uh, tried to bring somebody to church every single weekend for the last four weeks. And and I've been uh, pretty successful. Um, I've been turned down a lot. Uh, But I've brought, I think, six or seven different families to church over the last four weeks. What I've noticed is by doing that more often, I'm finding myself in conversations where I have to have the wisdom of God because I just stepped into somebody's life. So I need wisdom like right now because I just stepped into their life. And all of a sudden, I'm needing more than I had a minute ago. Have you ever been in the conversation with somebody and you're like, God, I need you now. Help me. I don't know what to say. Those are the conversations that I've found myself in. 
And because I'm out to give, God has to give me more because I just went on empty just like that. I ran into some conversations where I've just invited people to church and, and I think they're happy, good-looking people, sharp people, and next thing you know, they're in a world of hurt. Almost every person I've invited has been in a world of hurt. Not all of them, but almost every. But I didn't know it until I invited them. And then when I found out that they're in a world of hurt, then I'm like, my goodness. Then they're asking me, and, and now I'm in their world. And so what I have found is that the Lord is, is giving me wisdom that I didn't have before the conversation. Watch, let me give you a quick example. This lady tells me over the phone, it was the wife of the couple that I invited, and she said, I came to the church last Sunday, and there were a couple people in the room that were like really, really abnormally loud, and it was kind of freaking me out. (laughs) Well... (laughs) And at that moment, I thought to myself, God, I need your help. Evidently, there was somebody behind them that was like really excited about how much they loved God. And they didn't care who was around them. They were going to be as loud as they wanted to be. And so now here I am thinking, oh boy, I'm trying to get this person saved. I'm trying to get them to come to church. And somebody in the room decided they wanted to be really loud and they don't care who's around them. They love Jesus. Well, great. Now, how am I supposed to get this person to come back? So I thought, God, help me. And I said, well, look, here's the thing. Have you ever start a sentence and you have no idea where you're going to go with it? Well, listen to me carefully. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're in the seventh grade and the teacher's asking you math questions and goes, Frankie, what's eight times eight? Eight times eight? Yes, eight times eight. Oh, eight times eight. I needed that 20 seconds just to kind of remind myself what we're talking about here. Oh, okay, 60, 64, 64, 64. What's five times five? Five times five? Yeah, five times five. Oh, five times five. Um, 25. Yeah. And so have you ever played that game, anyone? What's four times four? four? I'm sorry, four times four? Frankie, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Four times four. I couldn't hear at the beginning. It's four times four. Okay. Yeah, okay. Four times four. Oh, 16. 16. I just needed that 20 seconds just to go four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, <laughs> and catch up. And so I said, okay, so what, what, the, 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 the loud people. Um, uh, so so, uh, and then it was like God just spoke to me. And I said, well, I went to a concert at the Cynthia Woods Pavilion last year. What are those? What's that guy? Is Dave Matthews. Thank you. I went to a Dave Matthews concert. I said, do you know Dave Matthews? She goes, oh, I love Dave Matthews. Well, he's not a Christian guy. Or he might be a Christian guy. I don't know. But I just, I enjoy his music. <laughs> And so I said, I went to a Dave Matthews band, and uh, it's not a church. I went to the Dave Matthews band, and I went to enjoy it, and there was thousands of people there. And there was a guy there that I think he thought he was Dave Matthews. (laughs) 
He was dressed as Dave Matthews. He was acting like Dave Matthews. He was standing right next to me. He knew all of Dave Matthews' songs, and he was jamming the air guitar, J- Dave Matthews. And Dave Matthews does this thing where he goes, when he sings every once in a while. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but it, when he does it, it's cool. And so, But this guy next to me is not Dave Matthews, and he decided he's going to do it too. And I'm like, dude, you are messing up my whole concert. And he's like, and he's air guitaring and everything's going on. And I told the lady over the phone, I said, anytime you're in a room where there's something exciting happening, lots of people are going to come, including the crazies. Was that pretty good? I said, it doesn't matter where you go. I said, I went to go see Star Wars a couple of years ago, and when I showed up at the movie theater, Chewbacca was there. <laughs> like 75 Chewbaccas. About 90 people dressed up as Chewbacca. These are grown men dressed up as Chewbacca. Have you seen that? What's the, the movie with the kid with the glass he flies on a stick? What's that thing? Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, let a Harry Potter come out. You got the whole, all of the woodlands dresses up as Harry Potter. Hello, you're a grown man. You can't dress up as Harry Potter. There's a rule against that. You can't be a cuckoo. But anytime there's something exciting happening, crazy people show up. And so for the churches where there's nothing exciting happening inside of the room, no crazy people are going to show up. But anywhere where there's something exciting, whether it's church or whether it's not church, crazy people are going to show up. And, and, and some of you in this room are saying, now, hold on a second, are you calling me crazy just because I worship really, really loud? Look, I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. Kind of I'm saying that, but I am saying this. If you bring a friend, I don't think you'll be as loud. I'm just saying. If it were your friend, I, I think you'd be a little bit more cognizant of who's standing around. But since it's my friend, well, don't hinder me. Do you see what I'm saying? But what I've noticed is the more I invite people to church, the more conversations I find myself in that's pulling gifts out of me that don't normally operate. And so the whole process starts all over. It's the response, Frankie, I hear it. Respond to it. Know that I'm coming out of my comfort zone. This is going to be nervous. This is a little bit scary. But each time I do it, each time I give, I'm receiving in the process. Now, what I've also noticed is that these four things that I just told you about, you don't go, it's not a linear, it's not linear. It's actually this repetitive cycle that you're always in one of those modes as he moves you from one boat to the next. Because you can get into a comfort zone when you're 20, and then he starts stretching you. If you were to go back to when you were 20, life would be a piece of cake. But when you were 20, it was stressful. Like my son right now, the most stressful thing in the world is if Sissy takes his toy. 
that's stressful. When I listen to 15-year-olds tell me their problems, I'm thinking, I will take all of your problems. You just take all of mine. Who gives a la-dee-da-da if, if, if you text them more than they text you? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? But in their world, that's their, God's pulling them out of their boat. We are constantly in this repetitive, this repetitive mode of recognizing the voice of God, responding to the voice of God, being reorientated by being pulled out of our comfort zone, and then receiving as we give. Those disciples were receiving as they were giving. They were receiving as they were giving. And so there's this constant, it's like a clock. It's not linear, it's circular. It's repetitive. Those aren't the words I want. Perpetual. There we go, that's the word I want. It's this perpetual stage of constantly bringing us through. And every time we hit, oh, life is good. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because then he pulls you out again, and he pulls you out again. We're constantly in a state of needing his presence. Let me say this as well. Let me just circle right back. Isaiah, you can come on up because I'm pretty much done. Um, in the recognizing his voice, anytime you're a little bit um, needing more, um, you're desiring more, that's God calling you. Anytime you're frustrated, that's God calling you. Anytime you feel like your heart is getting cold, like you don't care about church anymore, how did that ever come on your radar? That's God calling you. He's calling you, he's tugging you, he's calling you. And so this is how he reorientates us. Just for the sake of being purposely repetitive. First, it's recognize. Then it's responding. Then it's the reorientating process. And then it's receiving as you give. This is constant. It's constantly happening. It's constantly happening. Constantly happening. Constantly happening. Constantly happening. Like I used to be petrified, scared. I still am. Every time I invite somebody to church, I think they're... I invited our, my yard guy. I, I have this guy. I do my own grass. I do my own yard. But I tell Allie, look, like once every five, I need a break. Okay? And so I got this guy that I call when I need a break. And so this past week, I needed a break. And so he shows up and he's out there mowing. And I went out there and I said, hey... You guys work on Sunday mornings? No. Sweet. And you got to come to church with me. When do you have church? Nine and 11. He goes, I don't know. I was like, sweet. I'll see you at 11. He's like, I didn't say I was coming. I was like, yeah, but you didn't say you weren't. And I'm, you know, he goes, all right, all right, all right. I'll be there. I'll be there. I was at 24-Hour Fitness, and don't talk to me. I'm going to invite you to church. I'm on this craze of inviting people to church. I'm at 24-Hour Fitness, and somebody said something. Oh, this lady, 
She looked like she was about 51. She had this UK thing, University of Kentucky. And I said, you a Kentucky fan? She goes, oh yeah, me and my husband are hardcore wildcats. I was like, excellent. You got to come to church with me. That's the transition. She goes, no, I'm not coming to church with you. I'm, I'm, I'm Greek Orthodox. I don't even know what Greek Orthodox is. And so I said, so, hey, steal these lines, all right? Because I'm telling you when, you, when you reach out like that, you get filled up with stuff that you need in a pinch. Like, you can't ask God to give you things when you're not using what you got. You know what I mean? When you need to be filled up, it's because you're on empty. All right? So go ahead and empty yourself out. And when you, you know you're emptied out when you don't know what to say. So she goes, I'm Greek Orthodox. We're not coming to your church. And so I'm like, okay, check, <laughs> mate. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. And so I said, look, I'm not asking you to come this Sunday. I'm asking you to come. She goes, we're Greek Orthodox. And I said, look. I'm asking you to put it on your bucket list. Will you do that? Before you die, will you come to my church? She goes, I, I like my Greek Orthodox church. I'm like, look, I'm asking you not to leave your church. I'm not asking you to leave your church. You go to a great church, I'm sure. I don't even know what you guys do at Greek Orthodox. But I'm asking you to come one time and just surprise me. She goes, I'll think about it. I went, sweet. I said, it's 9 and 11. Just so when you're ready. My point is, is that the more I'm giving and the more I'm pulling it out, the more I'm feeling God put it in. I feel myself having gifts that I've been praying for for years that I haven't started getting until I start getting rid of what I got. And it's requiring me to get out of the boat. So I have this goal that I'm going to bring somebody every single Sunday. And so this Sunday, I've got uh, either two, possibly three families coming. I'm pretty excited about that. But my mind is like, I can take the next two weeks off because I got three <laughs> But what I'm noticing is, is that I'm setting out to get one and God's given me the ability to get three. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is this constant recalibrating, relocating, redirecting, refocusing, re, 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 just get it all aligned. Because if we just keep on allowing my, hey, I think, hey, I think, I think, okay, I think that was God. That was God. I'm not going to click send. I am going to invite. I am going to do this. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm always one step. This is so important. I'm always one step of obedience away from a new truth. I'm one step of obedience away from a new truth. I'm one step of obedience away from a new truth. I had to apologize to Sarah last week. I forgot what it was for, but hopefully you have too. <laughs> but I apologized to her. And I'm noticing that the quicker I am to apologize, the more tender my heart stays and gets. The slower I am to apologize, the more I start convincing myself, maybe I don't need to apologize. Maybe you were being a little blah, 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 blah. Maybe it wasn't me that was in the wrong. Maybe it was you in the wrong. You can kind of talk yourself into being holy, you know what I mean? 
Maybe it was her. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. I'll lay out a couple fleeces. Dear Lord, if it snows in the morning, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be the sign. Does that make sense? So there's this, this constant moving through these stages on how God begins to realign us and refocus. Does that help you guys tonight? Does that help anybody? All right. Why don't you stand on your feet? Give the Lord a standing ovation. Would you do that?